Hello, 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 and welcome to the podcast Invest in You. We have actually reached the number of 108 episodes, and today we've got Charlie online. We've got a super special guest all the way from the US, uh, Robert Wallace. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? All good, all good. Love, love, good. love your politeness. And uh, Charlie, how are you today? Tired. Tired. <laughs> and that's all right. So we are said the, the pleasant good morning versus uh, good afternoon. So where are you today, Robert? So we're in Maine, in the, yeah. in, in the New England part of the States. We've okay. been here for Christmas and the holidays um, and just enjoying. Uh, we got two feet of snow which is not new to you guys, I'm sure, but it's a big deal for us. <laughs> we, had a, we had a white, a white Christmas. <laughs> white Christmas. So we, we had like a green-gray Christmas. We did have some snow, which just came overnight, but it disappeared, unfortunately. It looks quite Christmassy in the background. Would you mind, just for the people from wherever they might be in the world, what does it look like outside your window where you are today? So if you look outside my window behind me, you'll see snow, yep. you'll see uh, a lake, that is almost frozen Perfect. and you'll see lots of trees and, and, and animals and fresh air. I, I come here often when I want to write, uh, yeah. when I write, or when I want to think deeply, um, I get away from the city and just get back to nature and just kind of, you know, let my, my juices flow. Perfect. Actually, I'm, I'm considering to do like a little rights retreat uh, at this location because we've got quite a lot of space in the house. And I love to facilitate and help other people to do that. Have you any time, you have written many books, we'll come back to that in a second. Have you helped someone else to write a book for whatever reason? I have, I have, written, I, I have mentored a number of authors. Um, I have a basic premise. I believe that, that all of us have, have at least one book in our gut, as I call cool. it. Cool. Because all of us are God, God gifted, and we are unique. And I, and I encourage people, that to write at least one book because each of us has at least one book in us and many of us have multiple books like myself but Love i do it. mentor writers yes I, yes sir so, i do so charlie because we spoke about books tell uh, what's uh, he's not prepared for this what's the pitch for your book and what is it called uh, my my book is called how to make money as a teenager we've been working a bit on and off on, on it <laughs> uh, yeah same with the podcast we've been a bit on and off with it but it's basically, it's, it's, you can kind of like hear it in the name, how to make money as a teenager. So it's all about um, things that we've picked up, uh, which can be useful for people who are in my age. Yeah. So uh, Robert, were you a young I entrepreneur? I, I was gonna say, I, I think you're on to a young man. I, what you're finding is, what I'm finding in my research is that the, um, the, the successful entrepreneurs in the world, not only in the States, are getting younger and younger and younger. And the wealth creation that we're seeing in our world is, is being created by younger and younger people. So you're right, that's a one, that'll be a wonderful book. Perfect, yeah, great observation. And thanks for sharing that because you work with lots of different entrepreneurs. Were you entrepreneurial yourself when you were younger? Yes, I was. I was, um, although I was the first entrepreneur in my family, I come from a family of five boys. Um, my, my mother was a janitor. My dad was a laborer. Um, I was the first generation of entrepreneurs, but my, my parents always made sure that I was exposed to other entrepreneurs. So they would take me out to meet people and I would see entrepreneurs, you know, in, in action. And I was very encouraged by that. 
That's cool. You've met quite a few, especially in England. Yeah. Not so many locally here. No, not so many. <laughs> Sweden, actually. Yeah, well, we, we live also in a very remote area uh, yeah, in, that's true. in Sweden, while in, in London we're right in the middle of everything. So two different yes, worlds. Absolutely. I love London. I, I uh, about a year ago, I took a world, I took a sabbatical, yep. and my wife and I went around the world for six months. And I'm working on a new book called Global Entrepreneurship, which I'm pretty excited about. So I, this six month Perfect. world trip, we visited about 40 countries, including including Great Britain. So yeah. we're pretty excited about that. Let me know if you need to have one or two pages in that book. I will help you to add chip in. I would do that. I may take you up on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right, Charlie. Yeah, so uh, you're an entrepreneur, and I'm, I'm assuming that you have some companies. So what do they do? Yes, sir. So we have, I have started over my lifetime about 10 companies. I've got three companies now that are active. One is a information technology services company where we provide work in cybersecurity, biometrics, and software engineering. Um, that's been around for about 27 years. My other company is an energy company. It's called Bith Energy. B-I-T-H energy uh, company. And there we de engineer, design, and build solar energy projects, um, battery uh, storage um, solutions, and, and energy data analytics. That's my second company. And my third company is, is the media company where that, that's where I write my books. I do my, my executive and entrepreneurial mentoring um, where we provide training services to train the next generation of entrepreneurs. So I've been pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back to another thing with uh, a few things actually I picked up from your LinkedIn. But uh, one reason why we're having this conversation is you have been introduced by a guy called Andrew Miller. Yes. How have you come across Andrew? I found him on, online and we had a very good conversation uh, quite recently. So how do you know him? So Andrew is an amazing young man. Um, I met him actually through... Um, the, the, the CEO who runs my media company, her, her name is Taylor, and uh, she's known Andrew for some time, and she, and she mentioned him to me and said, I think this is somebody that you should really get to meet, and I'm glad I did. He's, he's as you probably know, I mean, he's, he, he's busting with energy yeah. and enthusiasm and creativity, and I'm a really uh, proponent of like people, who, especially young people, young people who are innovative, who have these great, wonderful ideas. And so I think it's been a marriage made in heaven, a wonderful young man. Perfect. Yeah, no, it's just a great example of if you'd like to pick up some good marketing ideas free, just yes, check out that uh, in the, the backlog of our previous episodes. So yeah. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So <clears throat> we spotted also on LinkedIn that you're a mayoral candidate. What brought you to that decision, like big picture and, and, and why? Sure, absolutely. So I recently finished my, my first political campaign where I was running for mayor of Baltimore City, which is in, uh, for those of you listeners who may not know, that is the largest city in the state of Maryland, uh, about 30 minutes um, north of Washington, D.C. Uh, it's a city of about 600,000 population used to be a million uh, population, but it has, it has you know, shrunk in size. And I uh, was born and raised in Baltimore and have lived and lived there when I'm not here up in New England. And I was just um, uh, appalled at the conditions of the city. And I felt that the city needed new direction and new leadership. It needed, I felt it needed a business oriented leader 
that understood business, understood entrepreneurship, understood yep. how to create jobs and create wealth. And so I felt that's what I need. I, I, I needed to do. So for the last year or so, I was campaigning to become um, the next mayor. And I was breaking a couple of, um, of um, records here. One, I ran as an independent candidate, not as, not as a Democrat or Republican. That's and tough. then secondly, I was building an independent class of voters in our city, which was running against the Democratic machine. Um, so unfortunately, I came in second place. Um, I did not win, but I created uh, tens of thousands of new, of new voters who support me and who are now um, working with me to, to create a new party in Baltimore, an independent party that would not be a, a function of a Democrat or Republican, yep. but be yep. independent thinking. Yeah, we've seen quite a lot of those uh, uprising, uh, disruptive ideas also in the politics, both in, in the United Kingdom and where we are today in, in Sweden, mainly because uh, even if politics uh, might be sometimes conservative, sometimes not, even the, the very liberal parties be hacked in a very, so behave in a very conservative way by not really uh, taking change into for example, you, you've done quite a lot of research into environmental matters. Yeah. Um, traditional parties, do they, do they have they got a, an agenda really in that space? I mean, not towards major changes and like, right. I mean, it's basically stuff like removing nuclear power, which doesn't solve any problems, according to my research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. No. Building new ones, probably not optimal, but... <laughs> Uh, removing ones in Sweden, at least, is very not worth it when yeah. it comes to resources and how they're like produced and stuff. So yeah, yeah no, well, politics very interesting. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I, I think you put, you, you, you put your, your your finger on a very good point here. Is that is that career and traditional politicians are not really interested in change. It, it, it's better for them if things stay as they have been, and that's part of the problem. And so when I came in, I made it very clear that I'm not interested in nibbling around the edges of changing the system. My focus is to disrupt it. It is to break it apart and rebuild it. That was my plan to be mayor as mayor of Baltimore City. And I think that young people like yourself can appreciate that kind of approach because they're not interested in, in nibbling around the edges of the old system. They want to disrupt it break it apart, and then rebuild it into a system that is conducive and that reflects the interests of the people, especially young people. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that really stood out when I was looking through your LinkedIn profile was uh, the thing that people have really recommended you for the most is actually strategic partnerships. Yes, sir. And that's very, that's very interesting as an observation amongst all the skills what people appreciate and recognize you for the most is partnerships. And I, I think that's super powerful because that can mean so many different things. Uh, what was a strategic partnership for in your world? Just an example or a few. Absolutely. Well, well, first of all, I'm, I, I, I wish I had learned that lesson when I was a young, when yeah. I was a younger man. I, um, I agree. <laughs> you know, when I was younger, I you know I thought I was a smart guy. I worked hard. I had good ideas, and I thought I could do it by myself. And of course, you know, as you get older and have more experiences, you 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 realize very quickly that you can get a lot more done by working with people versus by yourself. And, you know, and so the book was written because. As I, be, as I continued to study successful entrepreneurs, what I uncovered was that 99% of them who were successful 
were successful because they had mastered the art of building alliances and strategic partnerships. Yep. And, yep. The, and many of them had learned that lesson at a younger age in their career. And so they were able to reach out to people and to get people to help them. And what I talk about in the book is there is an art and a science to how you reach out and you create alliances and partnerships to help you achieve your objectives. And therefore, I spend a great deal of time teaching entrepreneurs around the world the art and science of creating alliances and strategic partnerships. And I just wished that somebody had taught me that when yeah. I was a younger entrepreneur, I think I'd be much further ahead than I am today. That leads perfectly yeah. to my next question, yeah. which is uh, uh, what other advice do you have to people who are in my age? Absolutely. That's a great question, sir. So the, the, the number one thing I teach, I try to teach young people in particular is, is never lose the ability to dream the ability to dream because it is the power of a dream that will change lives and will change the world. And what happens is when we're younger, we, we have, we, we, we're always dreaming. We're always thinking about, you know, what we can do. We're not limited by constraints or inhibitions. You know, when I, when I, I have five kids and, I, and my kids, when they were young, they thought they could fly. They thought they could jump off the roof and just fly. I mean, I mean, they were not constrained. Great. They were not constrained in their ability to dream. I think what happens is as we get older, if we're not careful, we allow the, uh, the pressures of life to nip away and to eat away at our ability to dream. And thus we get become older and we become, we become angry, we become bitter, we become discouraged because we've lost the ability to dream. So my number one thing I teach people is the, bil the ability and the power to dream. Never lose that. Secondly, is be clear on the destination point that you desire. That is, you are at some, we're at a place today in the present, but there is a future event that we're going to work towards and try to create. Be clear on what that future event is. And then the third aspect advice I would give is in building that bridge between the, where you are today and where you desire to be in the future, Utilize the power of alliances and partnerships. Identify men and women around the world, not just in your country, around the world, who share your vision, who are willing to provide their knowledge and their wisdom and resources to help you. And you'd be amazed at how many successful people and wealthy people, if you just ask them and ask them in the proper way, they're willing to help you. And I have learned that lesson. So, every, so now every deal that I do, every investment I make, I have partners with me in that particular deal because I learned that lesson. Yeah, really, really great share that we hope that many also grown-ups can pick up yeah. uh, and apply in their life, obviously. I'd like to just uh, share a name of someone. I think you would appreciate if you take some time and grab one of his books. Uh, his name is Daniel Priestley. He has been on the podcast before, Daniel Priestley. Uh, and I think one that you would uh, resonate with a lot is called 24 Assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason for that is he's talking about building companies and you, you're like me, you know the, the importance of a personal brand uh, to build around. You are the key person of influence in, in your business and in your sphere, which means things come to you, including the partnership, which is one of his fundamentals you talk about as well. Uh, and, and that specific book I mentioned is really talking about business value, how you can fine tune small tweaks, things that you know, but he's just 
distilled in a, in a smart way. I can recommend that. I appreciate one. that. It's no, called 24 Assets, you said? Exactly. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and he's, he's been on the podcast before. So, uh, no, he is, is great. You've met him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what, anything at all that sprang to mind that you can remember from him? Well, I thought it was really um, thought-provoking, his uh, KPI. Yeah, he's, he's got, yeah, like you said yourself, disruptive ideas, mm-hmm, yeah. yet very much common sense ideas. Uh, and, and just like yourself, he's also been published. So coming back to publishing, you've written, like you said, in men- at least mentally, more, at least eight books. Uh, exactly. And you have six published, was that right? That's correct. Yes, sir. Um, any favorites so far? So the one, uh, I think you mentioned it. I, I think the one that I wrote about strategic partnership and entrepreneur's guide to alliances and I think that is one that I really feel um, is foundational. It's oh. foundational to building a business. It's foundational to creating wealth. The second one I would say that is really special to me is called the Sesse Principles. Sesse uh, is spelled S-S-E-S-E. It's a Swahili term. And Sesse and, uh, is a place, actually, in East Africa that we've, we've traveled to many times to do, to do mission work. And in this book, I talk about the guidelines for creating wealth through faith. So what I, one of the areas that I really specialize in is the intersection between entrepreneurial success and spiritual growth. Yep. And there's some people who think there's no connection between those two. I disagree. I think there is a connection. And so in this book, I talk about what that connection is and how we can use um, spiritual principles to, to, create bus- to be successful in business and to create wealth. So I think those two books are my, real, my special books. Um, I'm working on a new book that's almost um, that's about to be published, and it's called Pivot Point Intelligence. Pivot Point Intelligence. And what it talks about is it talks about the process that we need to use in order to pivot into new opportunities and new directions in our businesses without losing momentum and not losing what we've, we've learned in the past, but to be able to apply that learning to this new idea and this new direction. I'm pretty excited about that one as well. Yeah, yeah. We, we love to keep the, the podcast every but to give a ta- timestamp of this podcast for the future, this is recorded late December 2020, and, and the word pivot very much aligned with the COVID and entrepreneur survival. Uh, have you seen any good examples of, of people pivoting uh, because of the hard times right now uh, that I, you could share? Yeah, I have. That's a great question. And, there, and there's so many examples I could give you, but, let, but I'll take some that even apply to my own company um, and the companies that I have, uh, I've mentored and advised. Um, for example, I've got companies that are like, that were manufacturing companies. Uh, they may have manufactured, you know, uh, plastic shoes or, or, or plastic items. And because of COVID-19, what they were able to do was to pivot from that aspect and begin producing PPE equipment, you know, yeah, yeah, plastic gowns and, and gloves and, and those, those types of things. Um, in the IT business, um, we are an IT services business, as you know, and because of COVID, what we found is that when people unfortunately were, were dying from COVID, that they were not allowed, the families were not allowed to attend physically the funerals of their loved ones. So we came up with the idea, to pit, once again, to pivot, to provide our IT services 
to the funeral home industry. So that now people could attend their, 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 their funeral services of their loved ones remotely, right? Yeah, Using yeah, yeah. what we use in, in the computer field. So those are examples of, of people, companies that are pivoting to respond to the environment, the, the changing in the environment. And guess what? This will always be the case. The environment will always be changing. This year, or 2020, it was COVID-19. Next year, 2021, it may be a different thing that changes the environment, but there will be a crisis. There will be a change. So a quick thinking entrepreneur is able to pivot themselves and their businesses to respond to the new environment. And that's critical. Excellent. So excellent response there. Yeah. I'm going to change the topic a bit. Um, you, we talked about your location and stuff. Um, so what has been your favorite office to work from? Uh, it will be in my office in New England, uh, where I am right now. It's a very, very remote place. Um, it, nature, lots of nature, great people, um, just a wonderful place to be. And, and I find, although I was raised in the city, raised in a very big city, and a very, uh, very, very dense, popular, dense neighborhood, uh, which I still love. I still love that. But when I want to think and when I want to create and be innovative, I find it's better. I can do that better in the country. So I think that's, that would be my best, my best yeah. choice. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about the connection to nature. Were you born in uh, the city or in the rural part? So I was born in the city. I was born right in a very, very tough neighborhood in the inner city of Baltimore. Um, I was raised, you know, around there was violence and there was, you know, there was drug addiction and there was, I mean, lots of challenges. Uh, we were raised poor, like yeah. many, maybe some of your listeners um, can appreciate. We were raised poor and didn't have many resources, but my mother and dad were very, very good mentors and they, and they taught us three things to be successful. They taught us to have faith in God. They taught us to work hard and they taught us the power of education. So my brothers and I all went, took, took their advice. And, yeah. and my older brothers became successful military officers, military men in, in the military. And my younger brother and I, we went to college and became engineers. So my, my background is engineering. I, I build things and uh, uh, I'm a mechanical engineer and my wife is a biomedical engineer. So we, we, we've pursued the career of engineering and uh, but but the the environment that we came from was a very tough environment yeah yeah we, we are just about to get some great uh, visitors from another city today they are both engineers as well a, a couple and, and the kids are not engineers yet but they probably will be later uh <laughs> you like technology and engineering yeah i do what, what about it what do you like about it uh i'm very interested in making a change for the future so like as a higher goal is like impacting um humanity Positively, I hope, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah that, that's, that idea is very appealing to me, yeah. making yeah. a difference for lots of yeah. people. We, we have had so many cool and interesting guests here. The, the, the aspect of education often pops up, uh, like uh, homeschooling, you've got the university, you've got the applicability of the knowledge from university, and then you've got like, the people who learn only from YouTube. Like, you mentioned you like education. So what has been your key learning or key advice really to people who are really considering younger ones? Like, should I even go to university? Well, you know, that's a great question. I, and I have, uh, I think I mentioned, I have five kids, my wife yeah. and I, 
and most of them are engineers. Uh, and we specifically um, targeted them to, to at least get their undergraduate degree in engineering. We feel that the opportunities of the future will be based upon technology in some form. And I think that people who understand technology and who are comfortable using technology will be in a better position um, to change the world, like, like you said. I have found the best education that I've gotten is, is by listening to people. Um, on my world trip, I learned many things. We were gone for six months, traveled the entire world. And the biggest thing that I learned in that journey, on that journey was how little I really knew, right? How, 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 how uneducated I really am. I mean, I thought, you know, I have a, a degree in engineering, a master's degree in business. I've got yep. a, a doctorate of, uh, of, 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 of services. And so, and so I, I've, I've done the education thing. I've done the corporate thing. But my real value, my really learning experience was just listening to the people of the world in India and Australia and Africa and in China and Vietnam, just listening to them and listening to their perspective on issues and the problems of the world. And I tell you, that was the best education. No, no PhD, no master's degree, no yeah. BS in engineering could give me what I got from those people in my world travel. Yeah, yeah. Just, just to build on that there, that just this one hour, half hour every week with top class people like yourself from all over the world, I find that so invaluable for Charlie. So mm -hmm. I, whenever possible, I'll try to make sure that he doesn't miss out uh, when we are doing this. So thank you, Charlie, for, for Put yourself together yeah. and join the team. <laughs> thank you for making, <laughs> thank you for making me yeah. do a podcast, and thank you for, uh, thank you for enlightening me and uh, uh, it's, it's really yeah, good making me pleasure. more energized and stuff yeah. like that. Perfect. My pleasure. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, we, we are, we're not ready yet, but I, I'm sure that uh, many people already have uh, found out they would love to find out more about uh, Robert Wallace. Yeah, uh, so we're pretty much rounding off right now, right? No, kind of, not, not really, quite, not, not, not yet. quite yeah. yet. Uh, but what are the best ways to reach you uh, if people want to like reach out to you and follow you, find you, stuff like that? What, what are the best ways? Sure, sure. Well, there are there are three websites that you can go to. The first one I recommend is is www.robertwallace.com, and Wallace is spelled W-A-L-L-A-C-E. So www.robertwallace.com. Yep. That would be my media company, my IT company, if they wanted to talk to me about, you know, technology type initiatives. That would be www.bithgroup.com. And Bith is spelled B as in Bravo, I as in India, T Tango, H Harry, group.com. And those would be the two websites I would say people can reach me and we can um, have a conversation. We have, we have a network of, of entrepreneurs from all over the world that I talk to on a regular basis. So I'd love to include you guys as part of that, of that network. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I presume you still take some time to read and so on. What's been one of your latest books that you really liked? Excuse me. Well, well, well you know, I'm a Malcolm Gladwell um, uh, fan. Malcolm Gladwell is, his, I, love, I love his writing style. And he's written a couple of books, but I like the one he, he's written. It's not, it's not so new, but it's so very popular. 
It's called um, David and Goliath. Yeah. And it talks about how David's, the, 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 those of us who may not have the most money or the most power or most resources, but how if we use what we have in an effective way that we can take down giants, right? That we can compete against the big boys and the big girls of the world. And it was, and it's very encouraging. And he uses the story of David and Goliath as a metaphor um, of how those of us, again, who may not have all the most, the most resources, the most money, but who still can compete against the giants of yeah. our industry. And I cool. use that, I use it very, very, very perfect, often. Perfect. So talk about giants standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, and uh, in this case, uh, talk about uh, practical giants. Have you got any, uh, direct or indirect mentor person you just look up to for like advice whether it's directly or even just you follow their journey who might that be today sure absolutely well I, on a personal level it will be my mother and my father and my grandmother and my grandparents i mean although they were not um you know um technically educated uh, um, they were very they were very intelligent people yeah and, and, and excelled in wisdom and they became my mentors at a very young age. And so Lucky I really man. honor them and, and, and respect them. Um, I think President Obama is, a, is another uh, hero of mine, mentor yeah. of mine. President, President Obama did what they thought could not be done. And he did not allow the naysayers and the negative people to prevent him from realizing his dream and from realizing and doing something that, that people thought could not be done. And I admire men and women who, who, who go on and do great things despite the odds, yeah. despite like the it. impediments, you know what I mean? So I think President Obama would be one. I think in industry, it's Bill Gates. Uh, I'm a fan of Bill Gates. Um, I, I, I like his approach. Um, I'm nowhere near wealth, as wealthy as he is. I think he's the most wealthiest person on the planet, I believe, him or Jeff Bezos, I'm not sure. Yeah. But um, I, I love his humility where he has done great things, but yet he can talk and, and meet with anyone at any level. And he has used his blessings to be a blessing to others. And I really admire that in, in Bill Gates and many, and many other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you, you have uh, brought home many key messages in this uh, very short and uh, intense conversation. Uh, I, I will absolutely pick up your book uh, about strategic partnerships for sure and, and, and digest. Charlie, uh, have you lost any last question? Anything that springs to mind at all? Uh, nothing except for that. It's been really nice to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to give you the chance to ask me or and Charlie any questions about anything uh, to round this off. Anything well, you know, I, I've always been curious in, 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 on my world trip. I always, was, I always wondered and asked my, my international brothers and sisters, what do they think of the U.S.? What, how have their thoughts about the U.S. changed over the last four years? Great question. What do you, how do you, you, do you want to go first? Uh, I don't have too much to say about that, actually. Uh, I, I think uh, the U.S. has benefited uh, highly from having a business person to come into the presidency. Uh, I think on a general note, I think it, uh, without being too political, uh, both in the US, sorry, in the UK and in Sweden, I can find lots of people, just like the US, very much divided 50-50, like this is really good or he's really bad. Uh, right. Personally, I think uh, 
many of the decisions has not maybe been so fantastic or full through, but he has really rocked the boat uh, and, and opened many closed doors. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I think it's, it's been an interesting four years, but I think generally a Swedish person probably thinks more negatively about the US now compared to five years ago. Mm. Uh, and in terms of in the UK, um, not too much change, I think, but uh, in, in a similar theme, like mm. some of the things have been like, uh, seem to me more crazy, but again, it's very polarizing and divided. And politics has been very much polarized and divided uh, yes. across Europe, uh, where we've seen like uh, nationalism become much more stronger. Mm. The yes. whole Brexit thing, which just happened the other day, the finals, well, actually it's two, three more days. It's, it's right. another sign of where polarism and nationalism has been like pushed uh, people into power uh, and uh, people have been more conservative and protectionistic, which is something yeah. I'm personally against. I like open borders, partnerships, uh, and, and collaboration. Uh, and I've seen work being a military officer for many years, I've seen the worst of humankind yes. Uh, yes. live. Uh, yes. So, surely, yeah. uh, did that something else come to mind for yourself? Uh, well, you were talking about nationalism. That's especially among people in my age, actually. Uh, a lot of them are, they get drawn to the nationalistic. Uh, ideas of certain parties in Sweden yeah I feel like yeah and, and, and don't really think about the implications of them and we can stuff. certainly have really uh, fiery conversations about uh, the uh, the president uh, still in in the US in our family because uh, we, we are four people in the family two sons and husband and, and wife and it's really fun to see how how people can interpret exactly the same actions in so different ways depending on which lens you view it through. So yeah, yeah. fantastic question. Yeah, that's so true. Well, I just want to assure you that most Americans are still, <laughs> are still interested in, in, in working with the, the global community. Perfect. We're interested in being a force for good and not for bad. And I just, on my world trip, I, I communicate that to everyone that I met in different yeah. countries, that yeah. most Americans are still working to do good and to, exactly. to do good things in the world. So I hope that the people on this call will hear that message. Yeah, exactly. And, and I always felt that uh, America, for me personally, would be a really great choice to be uh, and to, to work. Yeah. Because of, like, I'm, I'm a great example of, of the American dream, but not in America. Uh, I literally come, as well, like yourself, I grew, grew up poor and I found a way to reinvent myself by helping others and they've been yeah. lifting me at the same time so great great story there yeah same here same here i'm committed to whatever blessings i have to use those blessings to to be a blessing to others and i think that that's one of the reasons why i've been able to enjoy my journey um and like i said i'm not bill gates i don't have that kind of bill, bill gates money um but i've enjoyed my life and i've enjoyed being able to help people and I, i'm grateful for that Perfect, perfect. All right, uh, Robert, thank you ever so much for joining us on this podcast, which is called Invest in You. Surely, what do you think about people listening to this one? Uh, uh, I think we'll benefit a, a bit. Yeah, I certainly hope <laughs> so. Our voice were like really smart or something. <laughs> All right, great one. Uh, perfect. I will uh, hit pause on the recording and thank you to the whole world. Thank you, sir.